the children come Don't dare drive them away And then the kingdom comes Hear the holy foolish things they say The springtime of their life decides The adults they'll become So let the children come Please let the children come Welcome to Children's Bible Johnny With stories and songs just for kids We have a dramatized Bible story coming up So let's get today's program started by singing praises to our awesome God. D. God promises to deliver me.
praise the Lord. We'll do some more singing then in a few minutes. Now let's get back to our continuing Bible story from the Bible in Living Sound. It's late, my son. Don't you think you should stop reading and go to bed? Oh, I probably should, Mother, but... But I want to be educated. I don't want to be ignorant. But you're reading Scripture. Well, there's much to be learned from Scripture, Mother. I believe that Scripture quickens the mind and imparts knowledge to all who read and study it. Well, then work less and study more. You must get proper sleep and rest. Well, since Father died, I'm the man of the house. A livelihood must be earned. I must work. No. I don't want to be ashamed of my speech or way, so I must read and study to show myself approved of God and man. But you are still young, dear. You should have some time for youthful fun and pleasure. You should do the Mother, I do have fun. I, I like to work. It is pleasurable to be a man and to accomplish things. I feel good inside when I realize I'm taking care of the best mother in all the world. I am proud of you, my boy. You are a man, a, a good man. But I still think you should take time off from work and study to take part in some sort of youthful activity. I did take off just last Sabbath, remember? And parts of the day before the Sabbath and the day after... I went to Capernaum. Not for youthful activities, merely to worship and to hear that new teacher, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you, Mother, that hearing Jesus and seeing him is the most pleasurable thing I've ever done, except to do the things for my wonderful mother. I almost cry when you say such things, son. I'm so full of love and joy and pride. Have you... Well... You said you were going to study scripture to decide if Jesus is the Messiah. Have you? Yes. Definitely. He is the Messiah. You're sure? Positive. Well, how can you be so sure, my son? Even the Israelite leaders do not accept him as the Messiah. Several prophets have written much about that very thing, Mother. There's so many, I must believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Yes, I, I remember reading some of those things myself. We all know, Mother, that for centuries, yea, millenniums, every mother of Israel has hoped and prayed that her son, or one of her sons, would be the Messiah. Finally, it happened. Mary, the wife of Joseph, became the fortunate mother. She gave birth to Jesus, the Messiah, the very Son of God. But that is not evidence or proof, my son. Evidence? Proof? No, there's lots of evidence in religious matters, but no proof, actual proof. It is a matter, I think, of a person's honest desire to know the truth and the degree of his faith. I agree, son. Yet I also think you need rest, so I shall leave you now. Read and study or go to bed as you choose, but I strongly suggest that... Well, what are you going to do tomorrow? Start hoeing the garden. Oh, that's hard work. You'll need to be refreshed, so why don't you go to bed now? All right, mother. I will. Good night, my son. Good night, mother. Good morning, neighbor. I, uh, I guess I must have been thinking. I, I didn't hear your approach. You were humming, as you usually do when working. Is it because you're happy or because you want to get your mind off of work? I like to work. Uh, I believe that. And I think everyone in our little village does. 
Oh, we all respect you for the manner in which you've taken care of your mother since your... since your father passed away. Well, I didn't come here to waste your time in visiting, but I... I do wish to ask you a question. Yes? Well, it's about your trip to Capernaum to hear the new miracle worker and teacher. And did you get to hear him? Oh, yes. For many hours I, I sat and listened and watched. Is he as wonderful and... And powerful, as people say? Oh, more so. Much more. He is all-powerful. Oh, only God is all-powerful. Jesus is the Son of God. Unto him has been given all power in heaven and on earth. He is the commander. He, he created all things, and all things obey his commands. Even evil spirits obey him. They have to, for he is above all things. You seem convinced. I am. Well, if your belief be true, why is it that our religious leaders believe otherwise? Seem even to hate Jesus? What is it, jealousy? Could be. Or it could be envy, fear, or a number of things. Fear? Our leaders know Scripture. And I think, therefore, that they know that Jesus is the Messiah. Being selfish and bigoted, they're fearful of losing to Jesus their power and influence over the people. Yes, yes, that could be. But how do you know? Oh, I don't. I only accept facts, truth, and from them I draw conclusions. I have faith, and my faith is rewarded with... <laughs> what, what, something totally... I mean, what's wrong? <laughs> right here. What, something I can do? <laughs> Help me. Help me to the house. Oh, certainly. Well, take hold of me. Right here. Now, now here we go. Now, lean on me. One more. Oh, that's it. Do you, do you feel better now, son? Are you more comfortable? Perhaps I'd better get a physician. Oh, yes, do. Quick, please. in a bad way. Oh. We, oh, how is he, doctor? Doctor? No. How is my son? Is Will he get better? Your son, madam, is dead. Oh, no. <laughs> Your son was a good youth. The entire village loved and respected him. <laughs> Well, take no heed of the funeral arrangements. I shall take care of everything, the mourners and coffin-bearers, unless you wish to choose them yourself. No. My son. <laughs> Later, Jesus, his disciples, and a few followers leave Capernaum and cross the hills of Galilee toward the little village of Nain. As they approach the village... A funeral procession, Master. In front is the coffin containing the... the dead. A popular personage, for the entire village seems to have turned out to mourn his death. A sight to awaken sympathy. I go to comfort the bereaved. But Master Death is a... Peter! Weep not. Sir, do not touch the dead, for such is defiling. Jesus came close and touched the coffin. The coffin bearers stood still, 
and the lamentations of the mourners ceased as they all gathered around the coffin, hoping against hope. They knew one was present who had healed diseases and vanquished demons. Was death also subject to his power? Young man, I say unto thee, arise. He's opening his eyes. He moves. He's risen from the dead. He's alive. Where am I? Jesus? Mother? This is a funeral. This is... I... I was dead. Now you live, my son. Jesus brought you to life. You live. Oh, my son. Oh, my son. continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. to sit next to him on a bus. <laughs> what about in a canoe? No way. Do you know what I think? Usually, no. I think that cows can teach us a lot about health. How? Well, look at him. Does he look sick? No. Does he look like a weakling? No. Does he look tired and depressed? I don't think so. He looks kind of contented. Exactly. That's one happy cow. So what's so strange about that? Well, look at what he's eating. Grass? Yes, and a few flowers, bushes, leaves, and other stuff growing in the ground. That's what cows eat. That's my point. 
big cow over there with all those muscles and beautiful hair and bright eyes and swinging tail and really cool horns eats nothing but grass and water. He doesn't eat meat, which if you stop and think about it, would be kind of gross. He doesn't drink milk unless he's a calf, and he doesn't take pills. All he does is walk around the pasture, eat grass, and sleep standing up. You know, Sam, you're right. He's proof that we don't need all the stuff that people say we do to be healthy and strong. We just need water, food that grows on the ground, and exercise. But I don't think I'd like eating grass. No problem. We can eat grains and vegetables and fruit. If we did, we could be as smart as a cow. And maybe as healthy as one, too. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, he established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Boys and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Philippians 4, 6. Nightmare at Tuolumne Meadows by Marion J. Prescott. This can't be real, thought Dan Johnson. Why had he been foolish enough to go out on his own? He'd been warned plenty of times by his counselor and by his dad, but he hadn't meant to be gone from camp longer than an hour at the most. Just a short trek up the trail, or so he had thought. Now he was alone in a dark ravine with a possible broken leg, and night was coming on. A boy he didn't know had found him after his injury and had helped him. Even now, Dan couldn't remember his name. Was it Joe? Yes, that was it. Thank you, God, for what you are going to do for my friend, Joe had prayed. Thank you for the courage and the strength you are going to give him and me. And with that, he had turned and left. But you can't just leave me here, Dan had wanted to scream after the retreating steps. But instead, he called out, How will you find this place again? It's, it's impossible. I'll die down here. I'll, I'll find you. Joe's voice had come back from above him on the cliff. I'll tie my scarf on this pine tree. You're crazy, Dan had shouted. There are thousands of pine trees up there, millions. How's anyone going to find that one tree? Pray, the boy had told him, and start the fire at sundown to keep the animals away. I've left you plenty of wood and my canteen. Now it seemed as though a great bowl had been dropped over the entire forest. All his life, Dan had been secretly afraid of the dark. Now, as his eyes looked up through the tops of the great trees, he caught sight of an icy slice of moon barely visible in the gathering twilight. For the first time, he sighed a sigh of relief. A moon, he thought. At least there will be some light, and I have water. He lit the fire, and the sight of its glow instantly eased his panic. He ate some crackers, a candy bar, and an apple he had in his jacket pocket. Lying back on his bed of pine needles, Dan did some thinking. Maybe things weren't quite as bleak as they had seemed at first, he told himself. Joe would be back with help by morning. 
He seemed to know the area well, and Dan would keep the fire going. That would lead a rescue party to him. What a story it would make. It was bound to get into the papers. Hiker lost in the high Sierras, or lone hiker lost at Tuolumne Meadows, or perhaps... Once again, he glanced up at the moon, but this time he scowled. There were dark clouds around it. When he'd looked before, there had been no clouds at all. With a long stick, he poked at the crumbling log on the fire and watched it as it fell apart. Time was something he could only guess at. Hours had passed, he was sure, but how many, he had no idea. Maybe he had dozed, but he didn't think so. His leg hurt. He added a piece of wood to the fire, and slowly his eyes grew heavy. But of course, sleep was out. He'd have to stay awake and tend the fire. But a rest, just a short rest for his tired eyes, he told himself, might do him a lot of... What actually woke him was the sound of someone or something close, too close. The darkness mocked him. He could hear the crackling of dry leaves, the snapping of twigs, and an eerie rustling in the underbrush. He felt his head. It was hot and feverish. The pain in his knee was intense. And the fire, it was almost out. Thrusting himself up and dragging his injured leg along, Dan managed to reach the remaining pile of wood. But too fast, too hurriedly, he flung an armful onto the smoldering embers. He watched the sparks fly up, then die. I've killed it, he thought. The fire is out. Reaching for his pack of matches, Dan set about trying to relight the fire, but he was too nervous. After eight or nine tries, he crawled back into his sleeping bag. Once again, he heard the faint prowling of some animal. A gasp muffled itself in his throat. He'd never been so completely alone in his life. The moon was off again, on again. At times, it was completely obliterated by the clouds. He looked up. A drop of rain fell on his trembling hand. Oh, no, he groaned. Not rain on top of everything else. Slowly, he reached for the canteen, opened it, and put it to his parched lips. Another rustle from the underbrush startled him, and he dropped his canteen, spilling its contents onto the ground. The rain pelted over him, adding to his misery. Dan pulled his blanket over his head. No fire, no water, no food no moon, and the rain was getting heavier by the minute. Painfully, he dragged himself to some brush and crawled under it. Only one person in the whole world knew where he was. If Joe had forgotten, if he had lost his way, or if the scarf had blown off the tree, thank you, God, for what you're going to do for my friend. The remembered words slid across Dan's mind as he thought about Joe's prayer. Thank you for the courage and the strength. Courage and strength, he thought hopelessly. Courage! He'd had nothing but fear and a conceited and ridiculous idea of perhaps getting his name into the newspapers. What about Joe out there? Dan hadn't even thought about his safety. What if he had fallen in the dark? He'd even given up his canteen. Strength! Why had Joe prayed like that, he wondered feverishly. Why had he prayed as though strength and courage were already a reality when actually... Then suddenly he felt himself growing dizzy. Help me, God, Dan whispered, amazed at his own words. For the first time since he was nine years old, he was praying. He remembered the last time. He'd been with friends and had offered a prayer over lunch, and they had snickered. 
That's corny, one of them had said. Do you mean you actually believe in that religion stuff? He had been humiliated, and he had never prayed since, till now. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do, Dan prayed again. Please get Joe here safely, and help me even though there's no fire and no moon. That's the last thing he remembered until he felt strong hands and arms lifting him into a wire stretcher, until he felt someone putting water to his lips. It was Joe. I I was scared, Dan said. I was too, said Joe. And then I... I know, Joe smiled. We heard you praying. You were delirious, but you were thanking God for his help. When I prayed the prayer you prayed, I knew somehow that I, that you... Joe smiled. God promises us his help, so why not thank him in advance? There were six men on the rescue team. They splinted the injured leg, then expertly hoisted the stretcher up the side of the cliff. As they reached the top, Dan saw Joe's red kerchief tied to the old pine. Ten million pine trees, he laughed, and you were able to find this one. With God's help, that's the way it works. Here, Take it as a souvenir, he said, untying it and sticking it in Dan's hand. A helicopter was waiting in the first clearing. Soon it was moving. The nightmare and the darkness were a faraway dream. But to Dan, God would always be real. The story you have heard today is from God's Greatest Stories, written by various authors and compiled by Randy Fischel and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Children come, don't dare drive them away, and then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy, foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. So let the children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Lifetalk Radio at lifetalk.net.